Welcome back, sci-fi fans. This is Andrew from the Science Fictionary Podcast. This is the audio-only version of an episode originally from our YouTube channel. If you would like to see the video version, you can find that on the Science Fictionary YouTube channel. If you do decide to visit our YouTube channel, we would definitely appreciate it if you would hit that subscribe button and hit that notification bell to find out the next time we go live over there. Otherwise, please enjoy this audio-only version of the episode, and may the Force be with you. This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Do you like sci-fi, fantasy, action, adventure, and comic books? Then you've come to the right place for your weekly dose of anything and everything geek. So strap in and let's get this show on the road. Welcome to the Science Fictionary Podcast. Welcome back, Sci-Fi fans. It's Andrew from the Science Fictionary Podcast. I'm here tonight with Nick and Tabitha. Hey Thank you all for joining me tonight. My pleasure. <laughs> um, yeah, glad to have you here. Good. And uh, I'm looking forward. Like, this is one of those... Stargate is one of those shows. It's so big. People don't really... If you weren't really into it when it was on, you might not realize just how big of a deal Stargate was. It is... Easily, when you talk about science fiction TV, it, it is one of the, there are more episodes of Stargate than nearly any other science fiction series, with only a couple of giants really having anything bigger, like Doctor Who. Um, and kind of as we get going, at just for, just for perspective, I, I wanted to throw this out there. Stargate, now this is across three series, but Stargate has 354 episodes of television. With the, the biggest being SG-1 at 214, which puts it bigger than any season of any Star Trek series. Yep. Uh, the biggest Star Trek series is sitting at like 178. I think that's the next generation. Hmm. Um, the only things that are even close, I mean, you've got Doctor Who, obviously, with nearly 900 episodes. And Twilight Zone's up there at 284. Supernatural's one that's really been climbing the charts. And, and you know, it's, it's at 327 now. So it's closing the gap quickly. But when you talk about really, really prevalent science fiction series, this is one of the big ones. Yeah. Yeah, I think when you... I think when you're putting all three uh, shows together, um, that uh, even come close, uh, you know, it, it, it's probably less less than ten that are in that same bracket as Stargate. Yeah, it's it's very few. I mean, Star Trek obviously, if you put everything together, is at nearly seven hundred. Uh, the Twilight Zone, if you put everything Twilight Zone, Zone has done together, it's at almost 300. So there are some big ones, but what is it that y'all think it is about Stargate that gave it such staying power? Originality? I would say for me, I'm kind of new to the Stargate world. Like, honestly, I've been watching it faithfully, if you will, for probably two years now. And I just keep restarting SG-1. I actually started with Atlantis. And then kind of went back and watched SG-1. 
And uh, I remember when it came out when I was younger and I wasn't really into it. So now I'm a huge fan. And I think for me, because I'm also a history buff, something that keeps it substantial is that it is kind of grounded with some reality as to our history yes. here on Earth. And so it's somewhat relatable, whereas Star Trek, you know, like it's supposed to be in the future of Earth. Right. So it's absolutely you know, almost an absolute science fiction as far as that's concerned, because we don't know what's going to happen in the future, whereas Stargate's kind of kind of like all in the past. And uh, right. I, I've, I've never watched. Well, I've only watched like two episodes of Doctor Who. I honestly couldn't really get into it. It was a little bit too off and strange for me. So I can't really compare it with Doctor Who. <laughs> I tried. I really did. But I think for me, that's what keeps it kind of grounded for a lot of people it's not so far out there that it but it's still original in that there's new elements to it at least that's what i would say for me yeah absolutely uh real quick uh christian fandom geek thank you for joining us tonight uh if you want to jump in and talk some stargate just hit me up on twitter and i'll get you in here um nick what about you because i mean obviously you're a fan of a lot of the older sci-fi and you're a fan of the one the, you know the really the giant in the room that it sounds like neither me or Tabitha ever really got into, which is Doctor Who. Uh, you know, Marisha's, Marisha's our Doctor Who fan. And um, When I look at it, uh, Doctor Who is something I got into to later. But uh, Stargate is probably part of what prepped me for Doctor Who because I really got into the whole uh, mythology mixing with aliens. Mm-hmm. And Doctor Who plays into it a lot of that. Like Doctor Who, they go back in time and there's werewolves or there's vampires or that, but it's always actually aliens invading Earth. Mm-hmm. It's never it's never mythological. It's it's these things. And the Stargate kind of played to that same palette. Of right. course, Doctor Who can be a lot more corny, a lot more whimsical and uh, nonsensical. You know, whereas Stargate yeah. is a lot of more techno babble and that kind of stuff. And I am a, a hard sci-fi, like a Star Trek fan, uh, which I think Stargate mixes a lot with that. But something that I think that uh, I've, I've recently been going through for the first time watching classic Battlestar Galactica. Okay. And I've seen a lot of inspiration. Like when I look at the ships that Earth eventually builds, they remind me of the Galactica. They do. And I look at uh, just some of the different uh, technologies and the way they go about things. And it, it, it has a lot of that, uh, especially the way they handle humor. Right. Yeah, Stargate did a lot of interesting things. You know, of course, the ships came later. And some people like when they added the ships and some people don't. Because some people kind of felt like when it was Stargate, Stargate pre ships it was kind of like this is our earth this is our world that we live in and this is happening somewhere and then suddenly you have ships and you go okay well now it's a little more star trek yeah so so i know some people some people don't don't like that i love it i love the ships um and you're right and i think some of that is that i think the galactica i think the ships from space above and beyond uh, if you're familiar with that series, and then Stargate, they're all sort of based on very Earthbound concepts like aircraft carriers. Did I freeze or did Andrew freeze? I think you froze, Nick. <laughs> okay. Technology's um, only great when it works. <laughs> right. Um, 
so recently we we kind of got the news and and we knew that Stargate ultimately went off the air. There was there were some problems within the fandom that didn't help. But ultimately we lost Stargate because MGM went bankrupt. Hmm. Um it, it wasn't, you know, a lot of people blame Stargate Universe. How did, I mean, before we go any further, how did y'all feel about Stargate Universe? Did y'all watch that one? I I only watched, I think, one episode, honestly. And um, I wasn't, like, I, there was some intrigue there, but there was some stuff in it that I personally just don't necessarily enjoy watching. I think, you know, they started introducing, for me, my personal taste, a little bit too graphic of sexual things in there. And that yeah. was a strange way to open the show. I found that to be, I know it's a mature thing, but I found it to be a childish play because it was almost like, what can we throw into the first episode to to hook people or make it feel like it's grander or better or darker or hmm. something? I'm not sure. And that really threw me off because I understand that there are there is some sensuality in the other season or uh, series, but but not like that. Just, this was different. Yeah. This was so far beyond that, that it really just was like, it took away that simplistic magic that I believe that the shows had. And so it just totally, I, I probably will eventually watch it just because I kind of want to know the rest of the story. The The storyline for the first episode intrigued me. Like, why were they all there? How did they get there? What happened? But after that, right. I just couldn't, I was like, if this is the way that they're going to do this for the rest of the series then it's already lost me because I didn't come here for that. I came here for good storytelling. So Yeah. Yeah, and I really think that was their play to be the next Battlestar Galactica. I think after the Battlestar Galactica reboot did a lot of that, got very edgy, that for some reason they decided we need to make a Stargate that mirrors that, which was odd because if you've watched Stargate, the SG one, the original, then you know that the first episode had nudity in it. Right. And I don't know if you have you ever watched the director's cut of the Children of the Gods episode? No, but I did There's hear that, that there were three different versions of it. What's that, Nick? Yeah, there's three different versions and uh they've taken that out of they any, did. any version after. Brad White, uh the the showrunner, was was very much against when it came to uh, universe, um, one thing that I didn't catch completely at the beginning, which soured me, is I didn't catch that these weren't those people that were supposed to go on the mission. Right. These were just the people manning the base. But one of the things that I compared it to is you look at Atlantis. Now, when Atlantis goes through, these are supposed to be some of the best of the best representing all these countries. And now they have a similar mission, similar to Atlantis. And like the moment they get on the other side of that gate, they're at each other's throat. And that just, that didn't feel very much. But after I got a chance to listen to a lot of podcasts, whether it be through Dial the Gate, Gate World, or Brad Wright's new podcast, talking about what they had planned, because they went into that with a five-year plan. And they got cut off right 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 after they got through all their setup of what they were going to do. And um, I think the show would have garnered more fans and more respect from the fans afterwards. But between that and the sourness of having Atlantis canceled at the same time, yes, um, I think is what really made the ratings on that show 
drop. I, I think so too. And I, and like I was saying, you know, there was that nudity in the first episode and because I don't know if you're aware that Stargate started off on Showtime. Yeah. I heard about that. Yeah. And so, you know, that was the place for edgy content back in the day. So they were going to be edgy and they, they did the nudity and pretty quickly went, you know what? That's not our audience. Right. And so, and they, and they learned the lesson. They never did it again. And until, you know, what, 13 years later when they try to launch universe and they just jumped completely into it. Now it did get better. Uh, universe got better. The second season is actually uh, very enjoyable. I did use universe to get one of my friends that had never watched Stargate into it. But when he watched the first season, he called it jerks in space. <laughs> and then he got, but by the end of the second season, he was really upset when it got canceled. And so it did get better, and it started to feel a little more like Stargate. But, but I you've think you ostracized a whole group of people. You did between the Atlantis cutting Atlantis off at the knees, and and that first episode of Universe. You lost so many people, and the ratings never came back. It was like they were trying to gain a new audience, and just anticipated and maybe took for granted that the old audience would stay with them. But it's like if. You know, if you've got your loyal group of people, don't don't try to throw them to the side to just to get new people. I mean, I understand it's a business thing, but right. still, with me, I think people are learning more and more with fandoms. You got to be very careful when you introduce new ideas, new techniques, tactics, storylines, and stuff. As we all have seen with Star Wars, how much division there is with that when they try to do new things, and yeah, that's kind of what happened with Stargate. Yeah. Um, um, I've got one more Red Fiver I'm going to bring in real quick. We've got uh, Amanda is joining us. Hey there, What's guys. What's going on? Pretty good. How are you guys? Uh, welcome. So uh, just real quick, I'll give you a chance to jump in and, and okay. kind of tell us a little bit about, you know, how you got into Stargate, when you kind of got into it, and okay. uh, which did you watch all of the shows? or? I, um, I actually got into SG-1 in middle school. So okay. it was a bit later in. I think SG-1 was on either season four or five by that time. And that's when I caught into SG-1 via um, reruns, actually. Mm -hmm. And then I caught up and got up to season. And then I watched Stargate Atlantis all the way through. So okay. the only Stargate show I didn't watch was Universe. And that was because it was so different from what I was used to. Yep. And... I never got, I never even watched it. I watched like, I think the premiere of universe and I was just like, no, this is not Stargate. You know? So yeah. we all just, <laughs> yeah. Right. So it was, it was really kind of a perfect storm that, that really killed Stargate. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the fans abandoned universe. Um, they wanted Atlantis back and so many people, I mean, there were huge movements within the community to not watch anything until they brought Atlantis back. And um, so, so you had that going on, and then MGM got into serious financial trouble, and they've basically been trying to sell the studio for the last at least 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, so kind of going around the room, um, and we kind of got into this, but not exactly. What was it about, especially with Stargate? Because when you, when Atlantis ended, it was still going very, very strong. The ratings were still very strong. Um, there was still a really big fandom. I mean, there still is. I mean, you go to places like Dragon Con, and there's enormous showings of Stargate fans. 
but what is it? What's the magic of those first 15 seasons of Stargate that, that gave it such staying power? Tabitha? Oh, I thought you were drinking. Oh, no, I'm just going to go around the room, whoever whoever wants to jump in. But if, if nobody jumps in, I'll... Uh, because no. <laughs> oh. I thought we had kind of kind of talked about that. Like, we kind of did. Actually, I kind of wanted to hear what Nick had to say about this. And Nick, yeah. are you there? Are you there? <laughs> yeah, I'm here. Okay, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Your your video is not working well, but I can hear you just oh, okay. fine. Um. Yeah. So for me, I look at uh, with Stargate. Um, it's it's got the 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 family uh, personal. Um, bonds like star trek has you know between the characters um i would say to some extent even more than um when you have that core group going through the gate yeah and there's also the the moral questions because sometimes what seems right at the moment doesn't end up being right and having the characters deal with that go through that and then just the exciting world and the, and the, you know, mixing in mythology with that so that you, you can have people who don't like sci-fi, um, you know, but maybe they're into fantasy. Right. And you're mixing in that, that fantasy mythology there. But uh, you've also got the techno, Star Trek techno babble, but you've also got uh, a military kind of, you know, if you're more into action. So it's kind of just that blend of all those coming together that makes the show that I think a lot of people who aren't generally sci-fi fans even like this show. Yeah. 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 Good point. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those, it's as far as mil what they call military sci-fi, it is the big, mm-hmm. you know, the big uh, series. It's the big franchise out there. Yep. Uh, that's why when you go to, like I said, you go to Dragon Con and you go, I mean, they have a whole track. You can spend the whole weekend at Dragon Con doing nothing but military sci-fi stuff. And Stargate makes up an enormous portion of that. And I think you're right, Nick. I think a lot like Star Trek, it's the, it's the very human story, you know, it's that you can relate to the characters and it does it. it, I mean, it's, it's definitely using the same kind of motif as Star Trek and playing on the moral stories and and the gray areas and, and those things, you know, um, Trek did that Trek, um, let's see, Trek, Stargate, Sliders did a lot of that. In fact, some of them have actually told the same story, you know, from different mm-hmm. points yeah. of view across those three um, series. But what about you, Amanda? Do you have anything else to add on what gave Stargate its staying power? Yeah, I think really the dynamic of the cast, the starting cast, you know, like that family background, even in the later seasons when um, Richard Dean Anderson left, mm-hmm. to me, it still was pushing right through forward, you know, Ben Browder and Claudia Black came in and they just kind of melded right into the family and it was that perfect dynamic still there. So I think I think for that is what made it staying. Just those core characters and how they interacted with each other. Right. You know, Richard Dean Anderson is one of those guys that has never gotten his real dues as an actor. I mean, <laughs> you know, two of the biggest, you know, with MacGyver and Stargate, two huge series that are still yeah. loved today, <laughs> but you know, people don't talk about about him, but bringing him in was absolutely brilliant when they started this show. Uh, because everybody else, it was, it really was. But everybody else, 
what? <laughs> right. Um, but I think it was good because I think that, you know, Jack O'Neill in the movie is a great character, but he is that absolutely rigid mm -hmm. military guy. Yeah. And I think that someone like Richard Dean Anderson was able to come in and, and keep kind of being that character, but make the character more lovable as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah. How could you one, of the like things, one of the things that Richard Dean Anderson did, uh, there's an episode in the first season that he pitched. And uh, of course he didn't write it, but he pitched it. He, and it was part of his willingness to come on and do the show. And that was uh, the episode about the, the crystalline thing that morphs into his son mm -hmm. yeah, at, yeah. at the end. And it was, he basically, he watched the movie and he said, I can't, I can't play that in a regular series like that. That's not me. He says, yeah. but I will try to do my best to play that. But we have to have a, an, an episode that I confront that the death of my son in the first season where I can get over it and then I can move on and become my Jack. Yeah. 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 Because I mean, the character definitely evolves as they, and it was a, it was a good transition from the movie character to, yeah. to what Jack O'Neill becomes, which is, you know, one of the greatest leading men in <laughs> the history of science fiction television. Uh, here's my, my co-host here. My regular co-host wants to know if Stargate's the one with James Spader and Egyptian God Anubis. Yes, David. Uh, we're going to have to watch this if you haven't watched it. Um, it's a great movie. Yeah, uh, when, uh, what is it, uh, Ultron and Ego blew up, uh, blew up Ra. <laughs> right? <laughs> yep. You know, the part of mythology in Stargate, I think, is a great part and what really brought all of us into the fandom as well like I was always a big history lover so when I was that young kid in middle school like I loved mythology and so all that ancient Egyptian and Greek and you know Canaanite mythology being mm -hmm. brought in was just such a cool little story piece to bring into yeah it's a it's a it's one of the things that makes it interesting it's one of the things that sets it apart from the other big science fiction series like Trek is that you're not, you are going to new worlds, but yeah. that new world is a reflection of your own history. Exactly. And, and so, yeah, I mean, they brought in a lot of stuff, you know, with bringing in the Norse mythology and, um, you know, like, basically having had the, the aliens mm -hmm. that have been, that have come to earth have, you know, representing the old gods they which did it is so brilliantly like they yeah. really made that just seamless like it, it if unless you believe in aliens and all that kind of stuff but it made sense like right. it really did yeah, yeah. It, it really did, did make sense. sense i love that that's yeah so before yeah, we talk that's, about that's, that's probably my, my my favorite part of it and i think uh my other uh you know my probably my favorite character at least from sg1 is daniel jackson and, oh um, yeah, Daniel because Jackson of the way he's just, uh, you know, like the torment of Tantalus when he's when he's there and he's seeing all the races, the meaning of life stuff, and and like he just loses himself in that, and that gives you a gateway, a character to lose yourself in the show. Right. 
Well, and, and of course, you know, the other characters are all great, but it's the balance between Jack and Daniel. Yeah. That that makes the show because they're the they're the two primary viewpoints usually mm-hmm. when you're yeah. when you're venturing into those gray areas. They're the yeah. the ones sitting on each side of the fence arguing their point. Yeah. And they play off each other very well. We're actually we're still watching through this with the kids. I think we're in the middle of season seven. Uh, uh, with okay. the kids, so we're we're in the the um, Daniel Jackson has ascended okay, era yep, of yep. of Stargate, but um, the kids, I don't think the kids realize he's coming back, and uh, but they ask constantly <laughs> if he's ever coming <laughs> how, back. How are they liking Jonas Quinn? They, the yeah. kids actually really like Jonas. Do they? Okay. Yeah, and it's one of those things. Like when I was watching it, Jonas was always like. You know, Jonas, and re-watching it, Jonas is a better character than I gave him credit yep. for the mm-hmm. first time around. But the first time when it happened, when we were watching it unfold, it was like, you know, Jonas is fine, but why did you take Daniel away? Like, Right, exactly. It's a kind of a phase of denial. It's almost like uh, when somebody passes away and you've got all those phases, you're not ready to accept that new person. You're like, you're still right. Daniel Jackson. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, you know, when I was first watching the series, you know, because Daniel was my favorite character. So when he, Mm -hmm. you know, ascended and the new guy was in, put in Jonas, I was like, oh, he's okay, but he's not Daniel. But now looking back, I really enjoy Jonas, you know? Yeah, he adds an interesting perspective to the whole the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And you had to bring Uh, someone in to balance uh, to balance Jack Mm -hmm. because. You know, Carter and Tilt don't really balance him very well. They're also military minded. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. And don't always Carter's balance him. Kind well. of in the middle between Daniel and and yeah. Daniel, yeah. But, mm-hmm. but she's still military. And so and that's actually one thing that I liked about this show too, was that the drama was not this kind of Kardashian drama that we see in most TV shows these days, where it's mm-hmm. like always pulling at the ridiculous heartstrings you know they have a Mm -hmm. brilliant way of pulling at your heartstrings but in a realistic way like the scenes where you know carter and o'neill are interested in each other but they have duties they have priorities and responsibilities and that is a very real thing i appreciate Mm -hmm. that about Mm -hmm. this show that they they didn't make it where every other episode they're having these animalistic desires towards one another that they constantly need to battle like it's there, you know it's there, but you're not constantly having it thrown in your face. And I right. appreciate They'll, that yeah. also <laughs> from the military standpoint, having grown up uh, as a military brat, like your duty is to your job or your country or whatever. Like I've yep. seen that. And so you don't have, this show just had so many more real, for a sci-fi show, had so many realistic aspects that I think that's another thing mm-hmm. that people could get on board with. You weren't getting this over-dramatized, you know, soap opera stuff. Yeah. Right. Like every cop show, the you know the partners always fall in love, and I'm like, that's just not how the workplace works, <laughs> right? Which is actually, as far as cop shows, there's uh you know Nathan Fillion's got one now mm-hmm. uh, in the Rookie, and while they've had some side characters that have had relationships, the main characters they haven't done that, and uh, I have appreciated that about that show. That's nice, yeah. So yeah. Uh, it's old after a while. One of the things, <laughs> right? One of the things that I appreciate about Sam's character, you know, she she sets ground rules or or, or demands that respect in the first episode. You know, yeah. she has her her, her her famous speech that uh, she gives to Jack, and Jack mm-hmm. lets her know, you know, well, I don't have a problem with you being a woman, 
it's a scientist right. I don't like. <laughs> but uh, once she does that, once she kind of, from that point on, she is respectful to Jack as her commanding officer. She's so much of, of media right now, they, 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 they show that uh, situation where like the subordinates mm-hmm. constantly back talking their superiors and that just isn't how it works exactly in the military right. so i, I yeah. really appreciated that while she had her own opinion you know compared to daniel who could talk back to jack mm-hmm. right At the end of yeah. the day she accepted orders yeah mm-hmm. right yeah it was really well done All right. didn't, so- uh, didn't he earn an award um uh Anderson, did, didn't he get an award from the military for portraying the military in such a positive way? Didn't I read that? that he actually won an award from the Air Force? He, yes, he was. Yeah. I don't know what, but there was something uh, something that he was awarded mm-hmm. for his portrayal. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the best portrayals of military is Stargate SG-1, spe- specifically Sam and uh, O'Neill. Yeah. yeah. You know. And I also like the part about Sam is that she is the scientist. She's the brains, which I think is really cool. You know, she's the astrophysicist. She's the one that knows the in and outs of everything scientific. Right. And she's this gorgeous woman, but they don't constantly put that in your face. No, right? it's about she's, her brains nice. and her military. Right. Yeah. You but, know? Like we all know she's beautiful and everybody knows mm-hmm. she's beautiful, but that's not what we're focusing on. We just accept no. that she's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. They're well-rounded people. Mm-hmm. And because they didn't, they didn't fall into one of the other pitfalls. Use a lot of times when you've got one character that is really smart, the way you really show that off is by having the other characters appear dumb. Yeah, exactly. And they never did that with this show. I mean, a, a pair, occasionally Jack plays dumb. Yes, right. Um, That's just because he doesn't know what they're talking about. Yeah, and I like you know Jack is sometimes like (laughs) Michael Scott, where somebody says something and it's like his response is kind of like explain it to me like I'm five. Yeah, (laughs) but was my idea. (laughs) But the things that Jack is good at, Mm -hmm. he's very very good at. Yeah, right. And so they didn't take that away to make other people look better. Right, strengths and weaknesses exactly. Mm -hmm. And. Um, I think they also, you know, a little bit for Sam of being too perfect. You know, people thought, well, you know, she's a brilliant scientist, but she's also a capable fighter and warrior, and, you know, she's doing it all. But then as the seasons went on, they, they didn't give her, like, a perfect love life either. They, they made it so that, like, that's the part of her life that she's sacrificing, the personal part. Yeah. Uh, right. Even when mm-hmm. she tried to take on a daughter, you know, Frazier was primarily being the mother mm-hmm. um, because she, she just couldn't balance, um, you know, a personal life mm-hmm. with all these other things she was accomplishing. And so that kind of, you know, is realistic to somebody who's an right. overachiever. Right. Your yeah. country comes first, basically. Yeah. Her job came first. So... The real, the big thing I wanted to get into tonight is kind of what's happening. I mean, Nick, you you did get to watch the AI read, the the script read the other day, right? Yeah. yeah. Did Did anybody else get to watch that? Mm-mm. No. I'm, uh, I'm gonna let Nick tell us a little bit about it with without totally spoiling it. It looked like a lot of fun. I've actually since gone and signed up for the companion app where it's at, but apparently, if you didn't catch it live, where 
it's, it doesn't appear to be on there at the moment. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm, I can I can send you the link if I mean I they they even kind of they kind of hinted at us that we could share the link with people who didn't pay. Okay. Okay. They, they wanted well, cool. because because it is a YouTube video. It is just a private YouTube video. Okay. Uh, so. Uh, I'll, I'll get that to you. Uh, yeah, send me the link because I, I definitely tried to find it earlier and couldn't find it. But uh, I yeah, saw the news Nick, about it, but I didn't watch it yet. Yeah, yeah. so I'll, I'll let Nick tell us a little bit about that and what to expect when we do get to see it. So the first thing they talk, you know, they have Brad Wright, they have the guy that created this AI and the guy that runs the companion just kind of talking roundtable like us, you know, a couple of squares on, because uh, it's all recorded like on Zoom. Mm -hmm. And they um are talking about how they've had uh for laughs and giggles in the past like they've had ai make a star trek script or something like that but they decided to to make it more interesting they decide they made multiple ais so one for each character and then they realized there was a little problem with that because um daniel jackson talks to carter differently than he does to uh Tilk. Right. So mm -hmm. they made bots specifically for each one. And so they had uh, four characters. They had Keller. They had Rodney McKay. Um, they had um, Carter. And um, they had Daniel Jackson. Yeah, Jewel and, State was part uh, of that too, right? What's that? Was Jewel State part of the table read or was she just on the show? Uh, no, she was, she was part of the table read. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they did those, you know, two Atlantis, one characters. And then um, then they then they had a message before they started where Richard Dean Anderson came on. And I have to say, that was probably the highlight for me <laughs> because the last, like, pictures or images or anything I've seen him with is, is Amanda Tapping would post stuff where she, she'd go see him. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I'm a big guy. He's gotten bigger than me. And mm -hmm. I guess he has a physical condition that makes it really hard for him to um, exert himself, some, some medical condition. Okay. And so mm -hmm. he, he started gaining weight. He's back down, and he was joking with them. He's like, he's just kind of giving a message, and he says, so, yeah, anyways, um, just – don't mess it up for Brad Wright. Uh, or I guess the AI or computer. And he's like, yeah, I haven't changed. And then he like, Bye. <laughs> he clicks off. And so, like, when he just came on, like, joking. And then uh, they said, uh, Carter threw out the challenge to the AI guy that he, she wants to do another one and she wants it to be her and uh, Richard Dean Anderson mm. have the. Uh, mm -hmm have the uh, AI create some relationship scenes for them. <laughs> but, They're so uh, good together, what, though. <laughs> yeah. They are. What's funny is the, um, so the computer doesn't put together necessarily a coherent story. But sometimes it starts to sound like a coherent story because there's certain story beats that they hit so often. And, but it would just get, funny and they would um like you know carter would say something 
ridiculous, you know, like the time dilation, this, that. McKay would just respond, what? <laughs> and someone would go. And, and, and then, um, you know, the, you know, Daniel Jackson would be, you know, would, would come on and then he'd start spouting something about Anubis or something. And then, um, Carter would come back and then Rodney would be, but the, the wraith are on the moon. <laughs> just like, it would just like, jam around, like all of a sudden, like, so it would start out kind of coherent and then like they get yeah. towards the end and it would just like go into complete madness. And there was one point <laughs> was really funny is that uh, when Keller uh, character and Daniel Jackson, who had no screen time, they did a script because they did about eight different scripts that the computer threw out. And they did a script of, of Daniel Jackson and Keller. Computer, for whatever reason, uh, decided to make Keller flirt with Daniel Jackson <laughs> But Daniel Jackson, they have nothing to do with it. And it was hilarious. And she's like, well, you know, since we have all this time uh, to kill, maybe we can get to know each other better. And Daniel Jackson was problem. I'd rather read a book. <laughs> it was like, and that was how it ended. So there was, a, there was a lot of hilarity. And it was like, they would say it with a straight face. And the the thing would end, and then they would go hilarious. And it was funny. Um, they each got monologue, and you're thinking, um, Rodney McKay's monologue would be the longest, right? Because he just yeah. he spouted out. And so they get to him, and they made a uh, a joke that they would cut his off wherever they can put in wait what and so he says like one line of dialogue wait what <laughs> and his end and everybody else gets like this five minute <laughs> speech wow um, yeah I'm, I'm excited to see that though and it was kind of a big deal and I, I think mm -hmm. some of this was sort of a a pitch by these all these folks to say to look at Amazon and say look this is still relevant like people will still watch this stuff, and uh, and that's kind of where I want to go with this. Like we know Amazon owns it now, mm -hmm. so money's no longer the problem. Money is no longer the the hurdle that has to be jumped over to have more Stargate. I want to hear from everybody what you would like to see Amazon do with the Stargate franchise. Mm. Like, do you want to see your? Do you want to see old characters come back? I mean, I know we know Brad Wright's been working on something. Yeah. We don't necessarily know what exactly. There's a lot of rumors about mm -hmm. that, but you know, there's there's some some guesses that will that it would start off with the Atlantis and SG One crews rescuing the folks from Universe. Um, you know, you could go that route or would you just like to see something totally brand new with some old faces coming back? We'll just go back to the SGC and... I, I think I'd like to see something with some new characters, but kind of like maybe having one of our 
a few of the old characters maybe as recurring. They're kind of like a whole new cast kind of thing. Right. And, would, and I actually would love to go back to the SGC again. Yeah. Like continuing, like maybe doing a whole new SG team because we know there were Humpteen SG teams. You know, right. doing another team of some sort. Well, what about what about Jack as the commander of the SGC? That could work. I, I kind of know a little bit of a spoiler on this, if, if you want to know. <laughs> so um, this is also through the companion, though eventually it goes out to podcatchers. Is, um, okay. Brad right mm-hmm. now has his own podcast. Right. And uh, in that, um, he did one with Amanda Tapping, and he said that she would be in charge of the SGC. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. And yeah. the SGC is no longer in Cheyenne Mountain, but on the moon. Okay. Because they mentioned that in one of the movies. They do. It was where they were going. Yeah. Is that now okay. that they have ships, they built one on the moon so that they wouldn't be endangering the Earth as much. Do they mention that in the Ark of Truth, or? I, I think it's in Continuum. It is it in Continuum? Okay. It, they just make a comment about it. It's, uh, it's a really off-handed comment. Uh huh. They moved Atlantis out of the San Francisco Bay onto the moon, and they were building basically a moon base there. Mm-hmm. Right. And from from what he's kind of uh, divulged is that basically back in 2019, he was commissioned to come up with a three-episode pilot script to pitch to Netflix. Hmm. And hmm. Netflix got re-got the right to broadcast Stargate SG-1 as kind of a test to see if there was interest. And so he went on social media and said, you know, uh, not saying at the time, not saying anything, but go, go watch Stargate on Netflix. <laughs> And then just as that was kind of coming in to maybe fruition, then we had the pandemic. And then through all that kind of in, on, on hold. Yeah. So, but he's got yeah. a three episode script. Okay. Interesting. And, you know, to, to me, I, I, I look at what I want to see. Um, I definitely want to see characters return. I would like them. Uh, I think being realistic as a fan, you know, you, you want to see like, let's see what happens to Atlantis. Like how do they take care of the race? How do they? Yeah. But realistically, they're not going to get that whole crew of actors together. Not on a continuous show. They've all gone off. They've all committed to other things. Also, with Jason um, Momoa having such a big career now, I don't see him yeah. coming back either. No, no so. you could probably get him to come back. I mean, I think Jason Momoa is up for just about anything. I certainly oh, yeah. think he would come back and do a guest cameo. And I say he's up for anything. I've I've seen the guy walk around at conventions, and mm-hmm. he just walks around on the convention floor like uh, he he could care less about you know he's a fun, anybody. He is like we we met him. We got a chance to meet him in New Orleans at Comic Con there, and he was just out on the convention floor having a good time and mm-hmm. just you know there was a mob following him around and he just ignored him and just walked <laughs> around and did his own life. thing and yeah. Well, you look uh, at what he's doing for Apple TV with Steve. Right. 
Yeah. And um, he's actually a producer, I believe, on that. And um, the another Red Fiver, the Salty Nerd podcast, has interviewed a couple of the members of that. And they were talking to the director. And he uh, mentioned that he's, Jason Momoa is very involved in that. And that while he'd never seen any Stargate, it was Jason Momoa that he wasn't, he didn't know it, but Jason Momoa was getting all his Atlantis buddies on the show. And, uh, okay, because I've uh, seen, I haven't seen the show, but I've seen shots of a lot of Stargate Atlantis folks on the show, so that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, he's except for Taylor, he's got his whole his whole crew going. So, okay. so maybe uh, Jason Momoa would be interested in coming back I don't, for something. I don't, I don't think Momoa would come back as a full time cast member. Yeah. yeah, but I absolutely think Jason Momoa would love to come back and, and do a spot here Amazon and there. Mom. Yeah, mm-hmm. you you yeah. look at what. Uh, Amazon is, um, you know, spending on some of their other shows with the, um, I don't know why, Andrew, you, you'll know what well, we're I mean, talking about. Like the big well, they're doing the Lord of the Rings series, and I mean, yeah, it's right. going to be far and away the most expensive TV show ever made. I mean, they're, they're looking, the first season alone will be the most expensive season of a TV show ever made. And it like it's like three or four times what the most expensive season of Game of Thrones was. Wow! Ooh, and well, I they better um, get it right then. Exactly. <laughs> they better get it right. <laughs> whether, whether whether you like it or not, um, there is a lot of money being put into the Star Trek shows. You look yeah. at something like Foundation. Um, right now, uh, The Mandalorian. I don't see Amazon isn't going to. Like, Stargate's not going to come back and be, uh, like, the budget of the Orville. Maybe if it was right. on Netflix. But if yeah. it's going to be on Amazon Prime as an original and Amazon's flipping the bill, they're going to make it breathtaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think you're going to see really, really good things if they do bring it back as far as, the, you know, the money that's put into it. Yeah. Um, I want to see old cast return, and I just really hope that they've... I hope that when it comes time to make a series, because I don't think there's any doubt at this point that something's going to happen now that Amazon owns it. Amazon yeah. has got to get their money back. I and mean, they spent a lot of money for MGM. They're going to want to recap that money. Stargate is one of the the biggest TV franchises that MGM had. They're going to want to capitalize on that. So I think you're definitely getting it. But it's when it gets time, is Amazon going to listen to people like Brad Wright when they say, look at what happened with Universe yeah. mm-hmm. and let's not do that again? Like, I mean, let's. Right. Do you think Amazon, I don't, I kind of think they might follow the Brad Wright idea because, and this is why, because Universe was a flop and they don't want to lose that money. Yeah. So and the thing is, it, like, if you're going to listen to anybody on Stargate, it should be. Brad Wright. Yeah. And I would hope to see um, uh, Peter Day-Louise come back on. Oh, yeah, Peter. Yeah. Some as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know, it's, it, it's interesting. Because, oh, go ahead. Oh, just saying it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to tell. It's just one of those things that I think a lot of us are afraid of anymore with taking our beloved stories, our beloved mm-hmm. fictions. Right. Yeah. And making something brand new. The way cinema is going these days, a lot of distrust. And I have gotten to that point where I'd rather just kind of stick with the old stuff and just leave it alone. 
Like as 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 much as <laughs> yeah. I would love to see the cinematography and everything that they would bring to a show like Stargate, as much mm -hmm. as it's in my heart, big bigger part of me is just like, let's just leave it alone. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and yeah. that is, I mean, that's a, a very reasonable way to feel about it. And honestly, if it were just SG-1 in Atlantis, I would probably feel about the same way about it. But I kind of feel like we already had our, our major hiccup in, yeah, exactly. in universe. And mm -hmm. maybe they learned enough from that to back away from it. Yeah. We just well, seem to be running out so of fresh ideas. And so it's almost like they're mm -hmm. just going to maybe rehash maybe the old stuff. It's like, right, because that's beautiful. Why not mm -hmm. make something new? Not right. necessarily Stargate, but let's take all that energy and, and make something brand new. I think we all have heard the same stories over and over again. Yeah. Where it's like yeah. they're just remakes of everything. So, yeah. You know. Yeah. It's everything is, uh, everything lately is either a full reboot or a soft reboot. Mm -hmm. Or I don't want and something that, ign yeah. I don't want something that ignores everything that came before it. You know, that's exactly. something we've been yeah. talking about a lot on the show mm -hmm. lately is this current desire from parts of the fandom to just ignore mm -hmm. everything that came before it's you know getting mad about fan service is, is kind of the the buzzword and mm -hmm. i agree fan service can be done right or wrong mm -hmm. right yeah. but so, there's some people that scream anytime any fan service is done because they just want something brand new that doesn't hinge on what came before and there's a lot of talk about this with like the new new ghostbusters uh, some people were that way with uh, the Star, uh, Star Wars sequel movies where they just wanted to throw away everything that came before and do something brand new. And it's like, but you can't do that and call it the Skywalker saga. No, you can't. Right. Yeah. <laughs> A little hard there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what were you going to say, Nick? Uh, so uh, just a couple little thoughts here. One, like Joe Malazzi, who is um, Brad Wright's you know, right-hand man on the show, he recently right. was talking about universe and he said that a big part of that was that, uh, you know, they had been doing 15 seasons of Stargate and, they, and they wanted to do something new, but yeah. they've had a break now. Yeah. They've had a break now. And so, you know, they were tapped out. And so now they could come back and do something, I think a lot more fresh, but at the same time, the thing that concerns me, is if Amazon's going to put that money into it, do they look at people like Brad Wright, like Joe Malaji, these different ones? Oh, those are the cheap sci-fi TV guys. You know, are they going to look at it, even though we are the fans, and I think that's why we have to be vocal. We have to be, you know, tagging. Uh, there's a 365 Stargate uh, campaign going on right now uh, on, on Twitter and Facebook where every day you post, post about stargate and you put that tag in it and tag amazon mm. so that you let them know that you want brad wright stargate back because i could see if they're going to put that kind of money behind it that they're going to want to get somebody young and fresh and you know that that deals in that kind of level whereas yeah. right everything mm -hmm. brad wright has done uh before and after stargate has always kind of sat in the stargate budget yeah. Yeah, it's it's going to be. I think you could do it, but does Amazon? Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean that's the thing. Like you know, the money and things like that are not an obstacle here. Like, mm -hmm. 
Uh, you know, they can get whoever they want when it comes time to make Stargate. And, but the thing is, like, right now, I mean, like I said, you know, if you go look at Stargate, like, Brad Wright is Stargate. Mm-hmm. Like, this doesn't work if you don't at least have him on board. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but, I mean, yes, yeah, so with, with anything like this, it's, it's certainly reasonable, reasonable to be a little gunshot at this point. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about, you know, beloved series and, and you could look at a lot of different things, uh, including Star Trek, yeah. which have just gone totally off the rails. Yeah, like mm-hmm. Discovery, you know, that's gone right. a completely different direction. And I wanted so, to like it so bad. So did I. So did I. Yeah. And <laughs> it just the more I watched, the more I was like, this is mm-hmm. not Star Trek. I don't know yeah, what I this is. And, yeah, and, and, and to just, me, it's well, it you know, have the Star Trek feel. You it know. doesn't, but you know, Star Trek. The thing about Star Trek was it was Gene, it wasn't just to Gene Roddenberry. Star Trek was his vision of the future for humanity. Yeah, like it wasn't just like this is a version. This was this was this, w- this was his dream, his hope for the future of humanity. Yeah, and in Star some Trek ways he dis- got his wish: flip phones, all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Discovery has been such a big departure from it's a from big the departure things from his vision of what it is. humanity will mm. become. Yeah. Well, and it's like it's why I don't like the animated series, the new animated series that's out, the uh, the lower decks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like it's still closer than Discovery. It is. It, it is, is, which yeah. is weird, but mm-hmm. it's it's uh, you know, they say you should never become a caricature of yourself. Yeah, and that's what Lower Decks is. It's a caricature mm-hmm. of Star Wars. I mean, of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, it's uh, I, I. You know, I look at it and I go. I look at something like Discovery and I go. You know, if it was called something else, and it came out as a new show, I might like it. But when you try to tell me this yeah. is Star Trek, that this is part of this <laughs> universe, that's when, you know, as a fan, like it just becomes this insurmountable wall. Yeah, right. liking the show, and that's that's the and, fear. I that's the fear I think with Stargate is, mm-hmm. you know, this idea that they could pull a discovery on us. You know, yeah, for sure. Re-imagine but I think it. if Brad if 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 Brad Wright's involved, he's going to respect the characters. Yeah, you know, he might do something with a show that we don't like. You know, if like we say, if George Lucas had done the. Um, sequel trilogy you know we we still might not have liked it right but we know he wouldn't have done with luke what was done in the sequel you know would it, it would have just been different he would have respected the characters that he had more yeah. right and mm-hmm. i think that's true of brad Wright. like he might go a direction that we're like man i really didn't like that stargate went that direction but all those legacy characters are going to be treated um, with respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's the main thing. I think, I think you've got to have the right people in charge. You've got to tell good stories. I mean, you know, we harp on this a lot. You can do a lot of things wrong when you make a TV show or a movie, but you still have to tell a good story. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yes. And you know, the, the story is the, the core of it all. You can, you can have terrible effects, you can have cheesy effects and, Mm-hmm. Um, and, and things like that, and still tell really good stories. Yeah. Um, 
Now, this is something I have a question. Who do you mm -hmm. think would be the villain of this new Stargate show? I mean, if we were to follow the timeline and actually say this is further in the future, like, because we've had, you know, the Ga'ul, the Ori, Wraith, Replicators. Right. Yeah, I don't know, because you mostly solved, mo you solved them all mostly. Uh, yeah. Except, I mean, I guess the Wraith are still technically... But that's what I mean. Like, I'm wondering if they would go with, like, a whole new villain, or would you bring the Gaul back, you know, or something like that? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, what do y'all think? Tabitha? Um, I've thought about that just because I've read fan fictions and things like that. Two mm -hmm. different ideas. One could be kind of like going, going like, ancient in our world. You know, how we have, you know, they we talked about the mythology and they take from it. They could, yeah. I would think, you know... Something kind of Earth-related like vampires, not quite as like ours, but something. I know that the Wraith are kind of similar in that way, but I always thought it'd be kind of interesting if they would have taken that to an extreme level. It's something <laughs> old world, old school, but just kind of maybe revamp it a little bit nicer mm -hmm. than, if you will, than the, the Wraith, so it's not quite as alien. What if it's a little bit more basic? Like, you know, we, we get, like I said, we get all our um, mythology and stuff like I, that. I think they, they, they left themselves open um, something that they've uh, always kind of hinted at, which was the furlings. The furlings. We we the furlings, yeah. If we finally got them and maybe, why haven't they been in the picture? Well, maybe like the Asgard, they've got a greater enemy they've been fighting. Yeah, that could be. Yeah. And, yeah. and you bring something new, you know, because mm -hmm. um, that's kind of like the Stargate's reoccurring problem is they, they poke a hornet's nest before they really know what they're doing. <laughs> and then they, then they bring that problem home. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Could do that. Or it could be an, a, instead of too much of a villain versus, you know, the protagonist, I was wondering if it would be more of a situation, a circumstance thing. Like, you know, there's always that uh, room for the alternative universes because we've seen that in SG-1 where they have the alternate realities. Yeah. And I want, what would happen if the alternate realities collided, you know, um, mm -hmm. and that there was this one, if you will, area within the power of the Stargate or something like that where you have certain characters that were brought from and they could be brand new characters. I think it'd be interesting to kind of bring back Dr. Frazier or, you know, Tara Rothery for Dr. Frazier, but she'd be a different kind of doctor. Maybe she'd be like a psychologist or something. And she and some other people are kind of stuck in this alternate reality. And every now and then these people from other realities that still associate with the Stargate program kind of jump in there. And this thing might implode and impact the different universes as we know it. I don't know, just something kind of, I thought about that for a while, just... It's yeah, that's interesting, because there's a lot of uh, episode plots about alternate universes in Stargate right. SG-1. So, so instead, really of having, instead of having an actual villain, of course, you will always have to have, you know, good versus evil, but what if it was more problematic rather than mm -hmm. bad guys and good guys? Right. Just something. We, we and that way, you don't necessarily have to bring in your key characters that we all beloved, we all know, we all love, because that's kind of hard to do and I bring it you know because that's always the thing when you make new TV shows off of old ones you always want the original people to come back but what if they mm -hmm. were just kind of mentioned or you bring back the side characters you know like yeah. Dr. Frazier 
she was she, she's my, one of my favorite characters but you yeah. know she i know she was a, a big has pretty good good size fan base you know what if she was there instead of o'neill or mm -hmm. you know daniel jackson and maybe some other people that you know we were fond of and they're the ones that have the problems rather than always bringing back the core people just for yeah. something different mm -hmm. I, I also think there's some some bad guys that could come back so you always have the possibility that some minor Gould could rise to power and you could do a spin on it you could do a Gould in an asgard body or you know you know they, you also have the ori we're we're kind of told that they're defeated, yeah. But we don't a hundred percent know that they're defeated, because mm -hmm. because we don't get to see after the movie. We just have the no. movie that kind of states we've won. But how many times have they thought they won? I mean, how many times did they kill Apophis? Yeah, <laughs> and he came like... back. You know, right. and they and they <laughs> they took some of their power away by making their believers not believe them anymore. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't you know. It, there's still a possibility that they could, they could come back or Anubis. Mm -hmm. You know, he was locked in a in a forever battle that was keeping him occupied. But what if he eventually wins that battle? Anubis could come back as a bad guy, and the replicators. You could always have a scientist. Yeah. Try try to bring him back. Mm -hmm. So I think I think there's a lot of play there that, with the established stuff. Plus you have those uh, kind of evil Asgard that we had uh, in the Pegasus galaxy mm -hmm. that uh, was yeah. uh, originally they, they was going to be part of what they were going to go with Stargate uh, Atlantis going forward. And then that got cut short. Yeah. Yeah. There's any number of options for a villain and, and mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see what they decide to do there. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's, there's still plenty of, of new, um, Gwaluld, you could explore. Exactly. You know, there's there's plenty of names to rip out of out of mythology for that. So, right. Um, it'll be interesting, but um, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to wrap us up here because I've got two more episodes to go record of the podcast. <laughs> uh, so thanks, Alan and uh, R2 the Icky that joined us here a little late. Um, but we're yeah, thanks for thanks for joining and uh, Christian Fandom Geek. If you're still there, thanks for joining. But uh. Most of all, thank you guys for joining, and I, I hope that sometime soon we can all get back together and talk about a new impending Stargate series. Uh, I'm, I mean, that would be great. That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for having me. It's been a, it's been fun. Nice meeting you all. Yeah, it was yeah nice nice, nice to meet you, you and, and thanks for coming on, Nick. Thanks as always for coming on, and, and Amanda. Uh, yeah. Before we go, let me uh, run around the table real quick, and uh, everybody, uh, Tabitha, where can people find you and your stuff online? Um, well, I have my own YouTube channel. I'm simply Dreaming Tabitha. I do a lot of uh, artistic stuff, primarily nerd things or just whatever I want to. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Dreaming Tabitha, I'm pretty consistent. I don't get fancy with <laughs> stuff, so you can just find me. <laughs> Keep it real simple. All right, and Amanda? Yeah, you can find me at uh, Galaxy Queers Podcast. Uh, it's at Galaxy Queers on Twitter and at Galaxy Queers Podcast on YouTube where we talk about all kinds of nerdy stuff. And you can follow me also on my Twitter, my personal Twitter at Jedi Caligula 89. Awesome. And Nick. Yeah. Um, I'm on YouTube as backyard TARDIS. And then you can find me, uh, under my name on discord, Nicholas Schaefer, or 
on Twitter. I am, I believe they shortened it to Back Tardis, <laughs> but uh, pretty much Backyard Tardis <laughs> all across the board now. So I've been kind of trying to make that standardized. Awesome. Well, um, thanks again for joining me. Thanks again. I see we we finally we have people popping into the chat as we're <laughs> we're wrapping up here. Um, and <laughs> someone else is, yeah, Roe or someone else must have just wrapped up. Now everybody's popping Ro in over must here. Must have just finished, I think. Okay. But uh, thanks for joining, and I hope you'll check out the show uh, if you weren't here for the whole thing. But you can find me running the Twitter account here at Sa underscore Fictionary. And, of course, you can check out the Science Fictionary podcast and Coruscant Radio Underground wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, please go check out Red5Network.com and at Red5Network on Twitter for all of the rest of the Red5 podcast family. And that's going to do it. So good night, everybody. This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com.